You're listening to a teaching from Sundown Church. We hope you encounter God through our podcast and experience freedom in your life. Last week, this statement, God is always ready to reveal deep things to those who go looking, amen? Now listen, precursor. There's people out, there's people sick this morning. That does not mean I expect lesser volume. I expect the same level of volume, right? Double portion, okay? So now you get to be louder. But if you seek, He promises that you will find, amen? Amen. If you knock, He promises you it will be open for you, Amen? amen? We need to be those who live believing this right now, amen? Not, not believing anything else, but believing that right now. I said to you last week, I feel like that's all the message that we need to hear sometimes. You could have almost left after last week if I didn't still have more to tell you and more to say to you. But what a promise that if you seek, you will find. It's not a if you seek, you might find. It is a guarantee that if you seek Him, you will find Him. And if you knock, He will open it for you. Praise God for that reality. And He has deep things in store for those that go looking. There is a measure of the presence of God that cannot be experienced unless you go looking for it. I believe that profoundly. Because we also know that there is a measure of the presence of God that is waiting for us in the valleys. That you can only experience in the valley. Ask someone that's gone through a difficult season that has encountered the Lord in that season, they know the Lord differently than those who have not had to walk through many difficult things. They know the Lord differently because there was a measure of His presence that was waiting for them in that valley, and they encountered it. And there is a measure of the Lord's presence waiting for those who go seeking the deep things of His heart. We talked about last week about how we as Christians seem to have more faith in the return of Christ than in the transformative power of the gospel. I just ask, church, does the, does the gospel transform? Does the gospel transform? Yes. Who has witnessed this? Every one of us. There's not a one of us in here who does not have testimony of this transformation. Not just simply in our lives, but in the lives of people around us. I have seen this gospel. I have seen the word of truth, the spoken word of God. I have seen the written word and I have seen his, his speaking word that we get to experience each and every day. Transform lives over and over and over again. We have testimony of this. But what is the point of us being transformed to then lose hope? To believe the world is too far gone for the resurrection of Christ to be reached because that's how we've existed. That's what we talked about last week, that we've existed and we've said this. All of us have said this. We've thought it. We've heard other people say it. We just need Jesus to come back. So our faith is in escape. Our faith is not in the transformative power of the gospel for here and now. It transformed you. It transformed me. Why is it not going to transform anyone else? Why has that reached its limit? It's maxed out on people it can transform. So Jesus just has to come back. That doesn't make any sense. But unfortunately, that's been our thinking. We've been waiting for Jesus to come back and fix everything instead of him coming back for something that is fixed. Why would He release us in spirit and truth, filled with the presence of God, called the Lord's temple? Because we house His presence. The Spirit, nicknamed the Helper by Jesus. What is He here to help us to do? Hide? No. 
We have no evidence of that. He is not here to help us hide. He is here to help us establish the kingdom of heaven here and now. The world is not too far gone for the restoration of Jesus Christ. Amen? That is not the Jesus we know. He transformed me that He may fill me with His presence, that I may carry the Spirit and His gospel with me and transform others. By introducing them to the same power, the same truth, the same love, the same grace that rescued me and rescued you. Amen? Okay, y'all better come on. You better start rejoicing with me, church. It is, it is a wonderful thing. And we get to rejoice in this reality. It is not a bad thing to rejoice that He is coming back. That is an amazing thing. I celebrate that. We should celebrate that, right? We celebrate this day that Jesus will return for His bride. What a glorious day. But the thing is, we get to experience that each and every day by establishing the kingdom of heaven here on earth. And when he returns for his bride, I don't want him to return and find more people lost not knowing him than those that do. I want to see him come back in glory to inherit a kingdom of heaven full of people that are waiting for him. People that are waiting to be received by King Jesus and taken home. I want Him to come with a world that is full of the Spirit, that has received the Spirit. He is here now and the kingdom is at hand. Amen? Amen. So rejoice. Cause joy to rise up. I love the definition of rejoice. It is to cause joy. When we rejoice, we cause joy in those around us. So cause joy. In your homes, at your work, in the store, and in your city, rejoice. For we serve a God of hope, and He is not finished here. Amen? Amen. I love that promise. He has not led us this far to abandon us now. Amen? Amen? Last week, we received this. He changed our minds. We took this posture of receiving that He would change our minds, that we would no longer have greater faith in His return than we have faith in the Spirit moving here and now. And I'm telling you, I have been so ready to preach to you today. It was Monday morning. Well, it was before Monday morning. The Lord gave me a word. Jay came up a couple weeks ago after I preached and shared something. And the Lord spoke a word to me. I wrote it down uh, on my sermon notes from that week. But I just knew that I didn't have permission to share it just yet. Um, And it wasn't that it wasn't that I didn't have permission to share it because it, it was, I didn't have permission to share it because I didn't have all the pieces. Does that make sense? I would have shared something partial and not the whole picture that the Lord intends to share this morning. And Monday morning, I received the rest of that. It was profound. I wasn't sure uh, when to bring this word. And I, again, I didn't feel it released, but then the Lord began to speak Monday morning in prayer meeting. And now, um, most of you know this, but we've had a prayer meeting with the administrators and faculty of Sundown uh, ISD. Every morning in the boardroom, we have prayed together for, it'll be eight years in February. We've done this every Monday. We do it through the summer. We do it every Monday. It is... It has been amazing. I've seen the Lord do amazing things. And when I look at some of those that have been here for that eight years and met for those eight years, I look at where we were when we started and where we, where we are now. It just blows my mind. And it, anyways, this, this happened, this moment happened uh, yesterday or last Monday. 
And the Lord just reminded me of His faithfulness and His provision. Uh, We have only to be silent, amen, and let Him lead us to the full picture. Because He gave me a piece of it here Sunday, just said, just don't share it yet. Okay, easy enough. And I thought about it, it's been in the back of my mind, and the Lord just, just wait. And naturally, He just brings me to the place where the rest of the The puzzle is going to be completed right before me, and I'm going to share that with you this morning. This is testimony this morning. He is so good. Do you believe that He's so good? Church, He is so good. That has been, oh my gosh, that has been the the joy of my life. I'm about to start crying. We're not even in it very deep yet. But I'm just, this whole Thanksgiving, I've just been overwhelmed by the goodness of God to me. He said a couple weeks ago to me, Are you willing to only have what you need to get by? Will that be good enough for you? If I only bless you with what you need to get by. And I was like, yes, Lord. And then I started looking at what he's blessed me with. And if this is what he calls just getting by, I love it. I'll take it all day long because it's amazing. It's profound. I mean, we we are, Sarah and I are living a fairy tale. We can't believe where we are and it's just what the Lord has done for us. It's just been amazing. And I was just thinking about this Thanksgiving with my, with my children and my, my amazing wife. We had our father-in-law in town and it was just a blessed, blessed time. A simple time where we just sat in the house, we watched football, we ate good food and we were just together and it was amazing. And the reason I was about to cry is because yesterday I'm just, we're getting to go to this tech game and my seven-year-old, and you parents know this, that the time you'll get to hold their hand the times that you'll get to kiss them goodnight, the times that you'll get to pick them up and hold them, those are limited. Those have an expiration date where they'll, they'll be done because they won't ask for that anymore. You can force it on them, but you'll have to be forcing it on them. They won't gladly, when, my, when Liam's a senior in high school and I go to hold his hand, he's not going to be really pumped about that. Or when I go to kiss him on the cheek, he's not going to be ecstatic. He's going to, please stop right? But now are the days where they embrace it. And we were walking through the stadium and he just asked if he could hold my hand. And I was just like, all right, of course. I just melted because that little boy, he holds our hands through a parking lot. And the second we get out of the parking lot, he rips it away. And he wanted to hold daddy's hand. And I was just blown away. And all of that to say, I'm just reminded so often of the goodness of our God. The things that He gives us that we don't deserve, like our kids, they're profound and they're amazing and what a gift. And I want to share another story about the goodness of God this morning with you, church. Most of you know and have heard of the Carr family and the things that they've gone through over this last two weeks. Um, Randall Carr was a uh, former pastor he, in Abernathy. He's now a, a professor at LCU. They live in Darby and Carrie's house, which is hilarious to me. God has a sense of humor that we would lose a pastor from this community and he would move another pastor in. Um, That's just the Lord. His wife is an elementary school teacher and he is an early riser. Randall and his family got here and immediately got involved with our city. They wasted no time. He, he became a bus driver for the school and for different events. He hauled the kids all the way down to San Antonio and back. He's been a, bu- a sponsor. His son joined the football team and was playing uh, through the remainder of the season. His wife is a teacher. They just, they are, they're here and they are sundown people all the way and they've just gotten here. 
And I, I've told several people this. I wish everyone that moved here was like the Carr family that just came and were all in because this is home now. And it's become home for them. And so we're just so grateful for them. But anyways, he's an early riser. And one morning last week, I believe it was Friday, um, his son walked in. He, he normally gets up, grades papers, work on curriculum for his, for his classes, comes in and finds his dad unresponsive. Um, and his mom, uh, Randall's wife, does CPR uh, until EMS gets there. They have to shock him back to life. And he's in a medically induced coma. And they're just, they're not sure. There's a lot of things that they're not sure about. It was, it was good before they moved him to Lubbock. He was breathing on his own. His heart was beating good. But they weren't sure about the brain activity. Now, church, we've, we've seen this before. We had a, a, a student not long ago. In a, in a neighboring community that just was gone like that and had no brain activity. And so to be back here again with a member of our community, it was, it was scary for a lot of people. And, um, and so that became the prayer for brain activity, for him to make a full recovery and all these things. And we're praying for this. And this community has loved this family so well. I've just been so blown away and so blessed to be a part of this city and how we rally around those that are in need. It's just a, it's a beautiful thing about sundown Texas and small towns. And, but the unfortunate thing, it was hard to ignore. There were other people in neighboring communities that were having similar episodes that were not making it. I mean, just, just a week prior, we lost a coach in a fellow community. And while they were in the waiting room at Covenant in the ICU, there was another man that was there for the same reason because that had happened to him that very morning. And then we just lost an, uh, another coach in, in Littlefield. And so it's just, there's a lot going on. There's a lot of things happening in our community. And uh, anyways, Randall, Randall was sick. He wasn't out of the woods. We weren't sure. They were cooling his body off. And they were going to bring that temperature back up, and then they were going to test for brain activity. And this, uh, not this last, not this Saturday, but the Saturday before, the, uh, the Lord woke Jason Powell up in the middle of the night and said to go pray over Randall and pray that he would rise out of that bed. So Saturday, uh, that was Saturday night. So Sunday, they did that, and through some different things, uh, he, you know, Jason prayed over the family, and he left. And the Lord's like, that is not what I told you to do. I did not tell you to pray over the family. I told you to pray over Randall. So he went back and he prayed over Randall for him to rise. And that evening, when his wife was talking to him, he grabbed her hand and looked at her. And he started waking up no matter what they were doing. They were trying to keep him asleep because they wanted to keep him safe. They, they thought they were trying to keep him safe. Lord had other plans. They could not keep him out. They couldn't. He was waking up whether the doctors wanted to or not. He began to move his feet on command. He began to move his hands. He began to be able to, for a brief second, open his eyes and look around. He began to respond as they were communicating to him. And so the doctors were just like, all right, there's no need. There's no need for brain, to test brain activity. He's back. Let's start waking him up. And Jason shares this. Jason, and, and now that part hadn't happened yet, but Jason shared this story of him praying over Randall and that immediate testimony from Sunday night. And he, he shared that on, on Monday morning in that prayer meeting last Monday. Profound, profound testimony. I was blown away. And then I had a conversation with Jason uh, on Friday. I was picking Kai up from school and Jason come, comes running across the lawn and um, comes to put Kai in my truck. 
And he goes to tell me, he says, they're exhibiting him right now. They're bringing him back. They're not, they're not even doing it. They're not worried about brain activity. He's back. And then throughout that weekend, you just hear testimony of he, he watched a movie with his wife and his kids. He was able to communicate to his, his boys and his daughter that he loves them. He, he was able to uh, watch a movie with his wife. Then he's getting up. He's moving around. He's walking up and down the hallways. Things that are just blowing everybody's mind. Profound because of one man's obedience to what the Lord told him to do. And I was just blown away. And it, it was profound. Isn't that wonderful, church? We need to rejoice in that. that. And that was the missing piece. And now, missing piece to what? You still don't know what we're talking about. You've just heard this testimony, profound testimony. Just stick with me for a second. We've got several scriptures that I want us to read now. We'll start in Matthew 4, verse 18. While walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. And going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee and John, his brother, in the boat with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets. And he called them. Immediately they left their boat and their father and they followed him. And he went throughout all of Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction among the people. So his fame spread throughout Syria and they brought him all the sick, those afflicted with various diseases and pains, those oppressed by demons, uh, epileptics and uh, paralytics and paralytics. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. Okay. And he healed them. I can't read some days. And a great crowds followed him from Galilee and Decapolis, of course, and from Jerusalem and Judea and from beyond the Jordan. Man, some days I wake up and I don't remember how to read. But the Bible is good. If you think you're a good reader, just read places in the Bible. Uh, Matthew 9, verse 9. As Jesus passed from there, he saw a man called Matthew sitting at the tax booth. And he said to him, follow me. And he rose and followed him. And as Jesus reclined at the table in the house, behold, many tax collectors and sinners came and were reclining with Jesus and his disciples. And when the Pharisees saw this, they said to his disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? But when he heard it, he said, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. Go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice, for I came not to call the righteous, but to call sinners. And then in Acts... Chapter 9, verse 1. But Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked them for letters to the synagogues at Damascus so that if he found any belonging in the way, men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. Now as he went on his way, he approached Damascus, and suddenly a light from heaven shone around him. And falling to the ground, he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, Who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. But rise and enter the city, and you will be told what you are to do. The men who were traveling with him stood speechless, hearing the voice, but seeing no one. Saul rose from the ground, and although his eyes were open, he saw nothing. So they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. 
And three days he was without sight and neither ate nor drank. Now there was a disciple at Damascus named Ananias. And the Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias, and he said, Here I am, Lord. And the Lord said to him, Rise and go to the street called Straight, and at the house of Judas, look for a man of Tarsus named Saul, for behold, he is praying. And he has seen in a vision a man named Ananias come in and lay his hands on him so that he might regain his sight. But Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard from many about this man, how much evil he has done to your saints at Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief priests to bind all who call on your name. But the Lord said to him, Go, for he is a chosen instrument of mine to carry my name before the Gentiles and the kings and the children of Israel, for I will show him how much he must suffer for the sake of my name. So Ananias departed and entered the house. And laying his hands on him, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road by which you came has sent me so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately... Something like scales fell from his eyes, and he regained his sight. Then he rose and was baptized, and taking food, he was strengthened. For some days he was with the disciples at Damascus, and immediately he proclaimed Jesus in the synagogue, saying, He is the Son of God. And all who heard him were amazed and said, Is this not the man who made havoc in Jerusalem for those who called upon his name? And has he not come here? For this purpose, to bring them bound before the chief priest, but Saul increased all the more in strength and confounded the Jews who lived in Damascus by proving that Jesus was the Christ. Why we read all of that? Well, we know that these men, it's profound if you look and just take a second to stop and pause and realize what is happening in these men's life, but these men who the world had already defined, and then when the Lord calls them, they become something more than the world said was possible. Hear that again. The world had already defined these men. These men were defined by the world. This is who they are. This is who they will be. And then Jesus calls them, and what immediately happens? They become something completely and totally different because of the call from Jesus. And isn't that just the nature of Jesus? Amen? Is that not what all of us have experienced? The transformative power of the gospel, right? That's what it is. That's what the truth of God is. It is transformative into the lives of those who receive it because I was once lost now I am found I was once something I am something different now amen thank God I do not have to exist in the same place where he found me suspended in darkness a slave to the night a slave to death not freed from it yet and now freed we have become something different because he believes the truth about us he doesn't measure us For where we are or what we have done, he only sees that which is written in the Father's heart for you. Amen? Amen. Praise God for that. I have done horrible things that I am ashamed of. I was ashamed of. I'm not ashamed of them now because of the resurrection power and the restorative power of Jesus Christ. But thank God that it is not our actions and the things that we do that earn our place in heaven. That has been predetermined not by anything that I do. 
but by Jesus Christ alone. Amen. He made the covenant with Abraham. He didn't make a covenant with anybody else. Abraham fell asleep and God made the covenant with himself to restore his people. That included us. And praise God for that reality. Praise God for that truth that he has restored us, not because of what we do, but because of who we are in the Father's heart, because of the definition that I can do nothing to change. And here it is. Here's the revelation for this morning. People will rise and fall to the belief that you hold over them, as we have just witnessed in Scripture. I remember, this is one of my favorite memories from coaching and my favorite memories as a youth pastor. There was some transition happening at the school several years ago, and I, I was asked to help out and help coach. And um, you guys know I have a strength and conditioning background, so I was, helped to, uh, I, I was helping put together workouts. But the first group of people that I got to do this for were the outcasts. Uh, and I was told the first day as I was waiting for them to come to the field house, that these, I might as well just put these kids on the track for 45 minutes and not waste my time because they won't amount to anything. They're just troublemakers. They're all going to be in jail or they're going to drop out. They're just not going to amount to anything. And I'm just sitting here listening to that and I'm listening to some of the things that they've done. And I know some of these kids because I've been their youth pastor for several years now and I'm thinking, yeah, okay, I see how you got there. I can understand that. These kids are not, I mean, they're breaking into school. They're setting houses on fire. They're, they're not doing so hot so far. And uh, so, okay, yeah, I got it. No problem. I'm, I'm still going to try to give them a workout. Coach is like, okay, whatever, have fun. Um, so I go and I stand at that garage door that leads to the, the football field, and I'm sitting there waiting, and the Lord says, do not, you, do not dare count their actions against them. And it was, it was like I was getting, my dad is a military man, and so I got the five-finger discount bruises on my chest. I have a tough sternum now because my dad used to peck me when I had messed up. All five fingers. I don't know how that thumb got in there, but that thumb would make contact too. It was, it was painful, but I'm tougher now. Um, but it was like God was speaking to me in that way. Do not dare count their actions against them. It's like, okay, sorry. Yes, sir. Sorry. I didn't do anything wrong yet. Um, and they came. And as they came, the Lord began to speak of who they were. One by one. And I was overwhelmed. I had to take a second before I went in and addressed them because I felt like I was about to just weep because of the beauty of the things that the Lord had shown me for these kids. And he said, the Lord did not want me to share that with him. He didn't want me to pull them all one by one and, and tell them what the Lord says about them. He just wanted me to believe it for them. Okay. And just coach them. And I did. And these kids were the funnest group of kids that I've ever coached. They made t-shirts and they would wear them throughout school on certain days that we had a, we had a deadlift day. And they would wear their leg day shirts at school like we were the members of some elite club. It was so fun. It was a blast. And several of these kids would go on to win back-to-back state championships in powerlifting. Now, that's Coach Newton. That's, that's Sarah Goodman right there doing all that stuff. But it was just amazing for me to see 
And the Lord needed me to see. This is not anything that I did because you have to understand I was waiting for them to come subscribing to the same thought that I had just been told by other coaches. That's where I was. I was in agreement with them. If it were not the Lord intersecting me and speaking to me sternly, I would have believed everything the world says to be true about those boys. Only by the grace of God. This is not a Parker did good story. Parker did nothing. Parker listened and got out of the way. Okay? Oftentimes, that's all the Lord needs us to do is listen and move out of his way. Right? And let him do what he needs to do. And that's all he did. And the Lord needed me to have testimony of this reality that people will rise and people will fall to the belief that we, the children of God, hold over them. Because we have the power of the kingdom of heaven. And we have the power to establish it, and we also have the power to withhold it. It's important to hear. It is a choice. I can choose to establish the kingdom of heaven everywhere I go, or I can choose to withhold the kingdom of heaven everywhere I go. We need to understand that. Right? There is a choice in this for us, and people will always rise and fall to what is believed about them. One man believed over these, what the Father said about them, and they ascended to it. Uh, the world defined these men as fishermen that flunked out of Pharisee school. They, they, they didn't have enough brains. They didn't have enough intellect to be followers and students of God. They were just simply fishermen. They were blue-collar workers. That would, all, that would be all that they would ever amount to. And what did they end up becoming? They ended up becoming apostles for the kingdom of heaven. Those first to receive the Spirit of God. The promise that had been spoken back in Isaiah. The promise that had been spoken back in Job. The promise that had been spoken to Abraham. These things all spoken. They were the first to receive these promises that had been spoken for generations and generations and generations. The least of these were made the greatest. Amen? And the one that sought to persecute, persecute this church, to destroy this church, ended up writing most of the New Testament that we as a church now study. Come on, I love the irony of God. He's really good at it. So if you want to see any good irony, just look at your own story because it's most likely there. Right? I was a drug dealer. Now I'm a pastor. What? Those two things are not meant to mesh. I was not a good man. And I have beautiful young men to raise. The irony in that, that the Lord would restore me and then trust me to raise young men. Wow. Profound. That's the irony of God. He takes what the world has already defined and He gives it a new definition. And He does great and powerful things through it. He did the same with us, did he not? And he is still doing it, thank God. And now the rest of this revelation, the meat and the potatoes, if you will, of this morning. And the reason I shared this testimony, the rest, the, the, that, that testimony was the finishing piece in this word. And the word was this, that came as Jay was speaking one Sunday, this question of, do we believe and see only what God has spoken over sundown Texas. Because if we believe that, then we see the testimony of Jesus, of, of Jason as Jesus doing exactly what he said he would do in sundown Texas. What did we say just last week? That the Lord has no desire to fill 
to, for his presence to fill only one building in Sundown, Texas. He has no desire for his presence to reside in only this place. His desire is that the presence of God, his presence would fill every structure in this community. And so what does he do? He wakes up an administrator of a public school and speaks to him of what needs to be done. And that man would go and he would pray over Randall. And what the Lord said to pray was pray that Randall will rise out of that bed. And so Jason spoke it. He prayed it. And then he moved on. And I told him Friday, this, uh, Friday before, uh, the thanks, before uh, Thanksgiving week, I told him, Jason, be bold. And sharing this testimony, people need to hear this. You cannot cease to share what the Lord has done. And I thought he was going to explode. He's like, oh, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not. I, I can't stop sharing this. He's like, I don't care what anybody says. I'm not going to stop speaking about this. I'm like, praise God. And you want to know the funny thing, guys. Two summers ago, my first summer as head pastor, that man, Jason, called me, needed to meet and we met in that office, and that afternoon he received the Holy Spirit in that office. And that afternoon he was baptized in that baptistry. What the Lord does in this house is meant to spread to every house in Sundown, Texas, and he's already made good on that. I would much rather live in a community with people that do not depend on this place for the presence of God to dwell and reside and for the miraculous to flow from this place, but that they would know that the Spirit of God will intersect them where they are in their lives and He will use them to do the profound things of the kingdom. And He's done it. He has established in another family. Another family now has testimony. They have young children that will grow up because their father will boldly share it when the Lord woke them up and a man was was healed and was raised out of a bed where the world had counted him a loss. Where the Lord has done what only the Lord can do. It is exactly what the Lord has said He desires to do in this city and its people. Why are we here? We are here to be a lighthouse. But church, it's important to recognize that we are here to be a lighthouse and not a dock. We are not a place where boats are coming to stop. We are a place that guides boats on their journey. That is the purpose of this church, that we could shine the path for others to walk. This highway of holiness, we are a stopping point, but we are not the finish line. So we cannot expect for this building to just be full and that to be the end of it. The Lord desires to fill this community. And I would much rather have empty seats for the Spirit of God to reside out there. Amen? What would it look like if we met as a church Monday through Sunday because the Spirit of God dwelled everywhere and not just in one place? And that is what the Lord desires to build in this community. And how much better is that than one building filled with people? It's much better. I want every building filled. I don't just want this house filled. I want every building filled and overflowing with the presence of God. Every home, every family, every business, everything, every gas pump. I want it to be anointed with the presence of God. We are here to deposit the Spirit into those traveling on this highway of holiness. Amen? Amen. But this does not continue. This does not spread like fire as the Lord intends if we continue to subscribe to the definition the world sets over this community and its people. Amen? 1 Corinthians 
2. 14, the natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him. And he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. The spiritual person judges all things, but is himself judged by no one. For who has understood the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. Why do we, as a church, why do we allow those who don't walk with the Spirit to define the things of the Spirit to us? That is what we do. We've been talking about this in our, in our prayer and worship study on Wednesday nights. We've been talking about fasting. And a lot of the reason why people don't fast is because it's uncomfortable and inconvenient. Who told you it was uncomfortable? Because last time I checked, we served the God of comfort. Who told you it was inconvenient if it's what you're made for? Jesus, in his first sermon, it, it goes on to read after, after he gets all these disciples um, and, he's, and he's performing these miracles and he's getting this reputation and it speaks about how this crowd is gathering in Matthew 4. And then we, we just see pages and pages of red letters because Jesus just preaches. He preaches about everything there is to preach. He's touching on all of it. And he speaks about things that are important for us to understand and receive and practice in our daily lives. And one of those is fasting. But we, as Christian culture, have refused that because it's uncomfortable and inconvenient. But who defined what is comfortable and uncomfortable to us? The world did. But how can the world know what comfort is when they do not walk with the God of comfort? They cannot. We have allowed too long, church, for the world, those who do not walk with the Spirit, to define the things of the Spirit to the people of God. That ends now, amen? That ends now. We are not to be those people any longer. I know the shortcomings of this community, and you have to understand that I have often been the target of them. I have witnessed it. I have felt it. My family and I have had to deal with it time and time again. The things that are not, uh, not of God in this community, because oftentimes we are the target for such things. But we cannot focus on those. Rather, on what the Father says is the truth of this community. Amen? There is more to come, for we have just gotten started. But it starts by believing what He has spoken over sundown Texas and believing nothing else. Even when circumstances are right in your face, declaring the opposite, we refuse to subscribe to those thoughts and those beliefs, and we stay firmly planted and rooted and what the Lord has spoken over Sundown, Texas, and we will see it come to fruition. Church, we are already seeing it happen. We are seeing it happen. We are seeing, this is the craziest, I, it blows my mind. We've got a public administrator in a public school in the state of Texas that operates in the Spirit and has seen the Lord raise someone out of a bed because the Lord chose to use that person. Is that not exactly what we are in the business of doing? Establishing the kingdom of heaven in all of the places, in every corner, crack, and crevice in this community that all would see the miraculous nature of God, not just us. Amen? We're seeing it happen. But it does not continue if we do not believe and only believe that which the Lord has spoken over this community and over the people in it. There's a lot of history here for a lot of you I, I have the benefit of not having much history. I have eight years of history in Sundown, Texas. 
Not a lot. Most of you can tell me who lived in what house in the 40s, and it's insane. Um, Randy used to do that to me all the time when he gave me directions. It's like, Randy, that person's been dead for 20 years. I'd never met them. I don't know them. I didn't know, well, oh yeah, I'm sorry. It's just the house I grew up playing at with my friend. Like, how am I supposed to know that? That's not the same person that lives there. They've moved, Randy. I need you to give me better directions. Just tell me the address and I'll Google it. But that's, and him and Lorinda would sit in staff meetings and, and Shorty, and they would go on and on about who lived there, and they would go 10 generations back, and I'm just sitting there like, I don't need, yeah, y'all didn't know the address, yeah, you didn't know what address it was, what street it was, but you knew the family that was there and their entire family history, and you would tell me that thinking it was going to get me there faster. It didn't. I was lost. I just had to drive around until I found it. But there's a lot of history here in Sundown, Texas. That history must be put to bed. It must be laid down. That cannot be what defines our tomorrow. We must only look at what God has been doing throughout all these days. And he established this church in 1930 for great and wondrous things. Not so that we would stay running on this hamster wheel going back and forth doing the same things over and over and over again. He established this church that we would come to this day here and now believing only what he has spoken over this community. That this community would have the kingdom of heaven established in it. That every home, that every family, that every person that draws breath in this city would know the presence of God, know the miraculous nature of God, know who they are in Him, and walk with Him all the days of their life. Amen? That this city would look more like the kingdom of heaven than it does a city and a state and a country. That does not happen if we continue to subscribe to what the world says is true about Sundown, Texas, and the people in it. You know, there's a reputation Sundown has had longer than I've been here. But Sundown, by a lot of communities around Sundown, they don't call it Sundown, they call it Rundown. Have you heard that? We cannot believe those things. We must see this place paved with streets of gold. Anointed with the Spirit of God. And we must believe only that about this community. And I'm telling you, church, if we... We are more than one. In Matthew 18, it's, be- it's a beautiful scripture. We talked about it in, in Sunday school. But if two people are united in the Spirit, all they have to do is ask the Father and He will do it for them. We're more than two, amen? Are we united that we would see the presence of God fill this community and transform every life in it? Are we united in that today? Then all we have to do is ask for it. And believe that and only that. And begin to rejoice now because we the people of God have asked and we know that he is faithful to answer. So rejoice now. And I'm rejoicing now because we haven't even prayed that prayer together this morning. But the Lord is already doing it. He did it two weeks ago. He began to establish his presence in another home. And he's doing it over and over. And now this family that is new to this community, new to this city, has testimony of the miraculous nature of God and the Spirit of God will go with them. Amen? Amen. Praise God for what He's doing. Only believe, only subscribe to that which the Lord has spoken over Sundown, Texas and the people in it. Refuse everything else. Can we do that? Thanks for listening to this message. For more resources, visit sundownchurch.com.